0: Welcome to my first episode, Living the High Conviction Life. Today, I'll be joined with my first special guest, Benji. Benji and myself will be discussing the hotly contested topic of Reddit traders, billionaire hedge funds, and the changing landscape of social media and how this is impacting global markets. Look forward to today's episode, and let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode one of High Conviction Investing. Can't really find a better time to probably start this podcast. Obviously, we all had a, a nice break over the over the Christmas uh, over the Christmas time. We all sort of needed it after probably the most eventful year we'll all go through. So we really, you know, off the top, stocks is topical. In the past, share market has always. Felt in some respects that it was only, you know, accessible to the wealthy and it always was like the richer are getting richer and and, and the poorer are just sort of, you know, just getting by. But COVID has changed many things and there's a product out there called Reddit, social media platform, and there's also a trading platform called Robinhood. Now, no one in their wildest dreams uh, would have thought that these two combined could cause such mayhem on the markets. So I'm going to have my first guest on today to discuss what's happened here. It's really, really, really interesting. And we probably won't have enough time to really delve into all of it, but I'd love to discuss it. Before we jump into uh, introducing my first guest, I'd love to just give a little bit of background into myself and a little bit about my experience with investing and trading, and I'm sure I'll expand on this as the episodes go on. So I've been investing in the share market probably for the best part of 12 to 13 years. Um, My father's been investing in the markets probably the best part of 20 to 25 years. I would classify him uh, under, even though I hate to say this, under the Buffett type investment where do his due diligence uh, in various ways, watch the trading patterns, and then sort of as as, as the intrinsic value comes into the market, he, he'll buy buy a, a good, good amount and then hold for a long period of time. Now, in an ideal situation, we'd love to have uh, the capital uh, capacity to do that and also have the ability to, you know, have the conviction to, to hold those investments. So coming back to myself, yes, so I've been doing that for 12 to 13 years and uh, finished a commerce marketing degree and I've been in sales for the last probably five to six years and in recent times specialized in fintech and specifically um, mel- payments in Melbourne, which really is probably the key thing that's shifted in markets, um, especially with the likes um, you know, of Afterpay, Zip, um, Sizzle, the list goes on and on and on. So, I guess a lot of the experiences uh, that I've had over the years, ups, downs, the winners, the losses. I'd love to really sort of go through some of those topics in, in, in details over various episodes. And the purpose of this episode is really just uh, to to intro to what the podcast is going to be about, living the high conviction life. It, it really is about having the conviction to buy an investment. And having the ability to hold it through the ups and downs of the market, and we really are probably leading into one of those moments where you know a lot of people are, are worried about what's going to happen, um, what's the what are the consequences of uh, the follow-on effect on, on 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 the panic in the markets, and whether it's just buy the dip opportunity. So really excited to to get into it. And um, before, we, before we get uh, into introducing my first guest, I'd love to just uh, put a disclaimer out that we will be putting out there every, uh, every episode, um, just to let you know that this episode is general of nature, anything that is discussed in this episode um, really um, is general and you need to seek financial advice um, for your specific financial needs. Okay, so now we have got that out of the way, um, I'd like to introduce my first guest, uh, Benji um, Sadiq. I've um, known Benji not for necessarily a long period of time, but I've really loved some of his uh, YouTube work. Benji focuses on IPO opportunities and analyzing the financials um, through prospectus. Um, he currently is completing a commerce degree and uh, I love to uh, welcome him to um, the show. Um, Thanks, Benji, for joining my first episode. How are you today? Good, good. Welcome to the call. Uh, first episode. How are you, Benji? I'm good, my friend. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. Look, uh, obviously the first episode, so uh, really excited to uh, speak to you. So I just wanted to get a little bit of rundown about uh, a little bit about yourself and, and how you've started uh your investing journey and it'd uh, be great to find out a little bit of book bef- about yourself before we jump into it.
1: For sure. I, I was thinking even before that, you could, uh, you could tell me why you named the podcast The High Conviction Lifestyle. So I thought it was an interesting choice of name. So I'm, I'm quite interested to hear the thought process behind it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I'm yeah, happy to uh, give, give a little rundown on that. Um, definitely was, was really around my own investment journey myself in the last probably six to 12 months, um, built, built, built strong conviction um, around afterpay and probably everyone in my network probably knew about it. Uh, but some invested, some didn't. Uh, some some believed the uh, the story, uh, a few didn't. And I think the ones uh, that didn't uh, clearly, uh, you know, were left on the sidelines not gaining a substantial amount of uh, money. But, uh, but unfortunately, I did actually... Sell it um, probably two and a half x um, profit, which is in in most star uh, years uh, a significant profit, but as Definitely. we all yeah, but as we all know, it um, you know it kept going and I think it when I sold it around mid 30s it, it obviously kept running um, to now over one hundred and fifty so it's obviously been a wild ride but um, I guess at least at least you managed to get
1: in. I still have nightmares about Afterpay. it literally keeps me up at night. <laughs> I remember I had, a, I had a buddy of mine. He called me up, and I think it was around the low eight dollar mark, something something like that. The real lows, I think. I think it was a Wednesday. And I remember the day because of how intense it was. He goes, "You got to buy, it, you got to buy it." And I had a guy. He dropped fifty k on it, sold it within the next couple of weeks for a small profit. But to think what that same amount could have been worth today if you just held on. But I, I mean, who would have ever guessed? It's so it's so out of whack <laughs> the the valuations for these companies. It's just insane. I never would have thought I would see Afterpay being worth more than Telstra.
0: Yeah, or
1: or Mark would value it more than that.
0: That's right, I mean there was articles out there probably early on last year saying, you know, it could get into the ASX 10 top 10 companies and it's basically nearly done that now. Um so it it is quite a phenomenal story, but yeah, following on from what I was saying, just I guess Going through that experience and then sort of not trusting your conviction to actually hold yeah. it, yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, and obviously, uh, looking at it now, obviously the fear was massive with everyone. I mean, you, I was even getting um, some guidance from from people that you know um, know you know people that know everything in the market, and they were even saying that there was risks associated with. You know, people not paying back their loans with afterpay. So, really, uh, yeah. So that's sort of stemmed on fr- from the show, and um, you know, moving forward, it's really going to be, you know, covering all sorts of topics around, you know, ha- how do you build that conviction in an investment, and even, you know, they talk about where, you know, a stock might go from fifty cents to a dollar. Yeah, you get out, it goes back to eighty cents, and mm-hmm. then. All of a sudden, before you know it, it goes to two, three, four, five, and it just keeps going. So it's really about, I guess, um, you know, how can you not only when you make an investment, but how can you, I guess, have an understanding of how you can build that conviction? How can
1: can you have more confidence in the decisions that you're making? How can you say with a higher degree of certainty that the decisions that you're making are the right one. How do you know when to sell a stock? How do you know when to buy in? And I, I remember, Dave, like during the the March madness, during the lows, you know, my very simple mindset, I thought, you know what? All I want to do, it's crazy, like how, how much my knowledge has advanced even since then. But I thought to myself, all I want to do when making investment decisions is just buy before a vaccine comes out. Because I thought in my head that as soon as a vaccine comes out, the stock market will immediately repair itself. And uh, it turns out the at least the American stock market repaired itself well before the vaccine was fully distributed <laughs> and the ASX has recovered quite nicely as well. But I think, yeah, the reason I, when you came to me you told me about this podcast, I thought it was so good, was because I think people really need to stop throwing money just away and just throwing money into random companies and, and not really sure what they're doing. They need to have more of an idea uh, where to put their money? Absolutely, have more confidence in their judgment. And I think that's what this podcast is is about. And I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm
0: wrong. Yeah, no, definitely, no. You're on the money there. And I think, uh, you know, it's really it's really exciting time because I think there's a lot more people that you know potentially are in an opportunity where they've you know they've worked hard. They might be in a you know. They might be in their mid to late 20s or early 30s where they've got a substantial amount of money behind them, but they still can't buy a house because to save a house, 20% deposit, you know, you're talking in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Crazy. Right? Um, Crazy. And, and, and they need that ability to, to borrow more. But coming back to, I guess, where, where I came across you, Benji, obviously um, it would be good to give the audience a bit of a um, context around, you know, a little bit about yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did see a few of the IPO Um, stuff that you've been focusing on. So it'd be good to give the listeners a little bit of background in terms of your um, investment journey, and then we can sort of uh, jump into a few other um, topics that are quite um, debatable and and hotly contested at the moment. Well, my investment
1: journey begins when I was about 14, uh, where most, I mean, I grew up Jewish, so most kids around my age, 13, 14, they were getting stocks for their bar mitzvah. So when you turn 13, it's a big deal in in my religion. And as a present, you get stocks. And I, I don't remember getting stocks, but what I do remember is my dad forcing me to get on this simulated trading platform. And I had genuinely no idea what I was looking at. And it was only like a number of years after that that I was on a hike with a friend. He turns to me and he starts telling me how he started investing. And he, he bought into this company called Paradigm. And I, I think for me, that's where it all began. We, uh, I'm sure you've, we've spoken about Paradigm before, Dave, and pharmaceutical company. But is, that PA, is that PAR? Is that yeah, the one? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. volatility. Um, and definitely, I mean, we'll talk about it another time. I just want to stay focused. But it was just telling me about the volatility of it. And that's when I really got interested in the market because he, he made it out, and I, I now know it's not like this, but he made it out. To sound like a casino. And I personally love the casino. So I hop on self-wealth. Australian broke up. And just since then, about probably two years ago, I've been investing in stocks and then got very heavily into it during lockdown, because I guess that just comes from loneliness. You're locked up in a room all day. And I think a lot of people probably did the same thing. That's why we saw a huge influx of retail investors Um, So March, I started Momentum Trading, and um, I mean, that was almost a year ago now, and now I'm more just focusing on long-term wealth and not risking all my money, and as well, I've started, a, as you know, Dave, that's how we know each other, Um, I started a series on YouTube where I review newly listed companies on the ASX, and we try and predict their future earnings um, based on some of their fundamentals, and that's what's led me to this podcast today.
0: Awesome. Fantastic. Now, look, I think it, you know, when you look at the environment that everyone was in, you know, you couldn't even go to a casino, right? So <laughs> <a> stock <market. laughs> the stock market <laughs> has ended up becoming a casino, which I think in some ways it was cool for a short period of time. But I think <laughs> now anyone that's been in the market for a longer period of time um is slightly um, worried and, and bemused and, cool. and and that leads us and that leads us on to our next topic of of you know what's happened the last month yeah. with you know with uh, Reddit and, and you know, obviously Robin Hood and GameStop and um, yeah so what's your I mean everyone's got their own opinion on on what's happened and I know I spoke to you before the show to to sort of uh, have a chat. I mean what's your rundown on on, on the overview of what's happened and, and where you think it could be leading moving forward?
1: Yeah, look, I've. So, first of all, the, the Reddit frenzy, I've, I've been part of, if you guys, um, the name's called Wall Street Bets. It was this small community on the internet and used to actually have some pretty good analysis on there. And it was definitely more low key. And then I started seeing more so of a shift in the macroeconomic environment. And I started seeing a lot of people lose faith in the system. So I, I think we saw with GameStop, GameStop just is a typical example of when you take angry millennials and who have a general distrust of the system uh, because of what happened during the GFC and and they have dumb money and they're bored, like we were saying, that they've basically got a casino at their fingertips and you combine <laughs> these two factors and you create a massive explosion. And I think, What's happened here, we're going to see the market change enormously now because it's going to change the nature of short selling uh, indefinitely, I, I think. And, and Dave, just tell me, how much detail do you want me to go into here? I mean, I, I could tell you, we could go into the whole history
0: of with <laughs> Well, look, I think, I think um, you know, it's hard to still know the level of um, investors that, or people, you know, whether they're beginners or more advanced that are going to be part yeah. of this. So I, I can't really say one way or another what the agenda was. But from my perspective, it's just really interesting from a perspective of thinking how, you know, you've got these billion dollar fund managers that essentially are running the show globally. And then you've got these guys that frankly are maybe just getting, you know, pocket change or money from the, the, you know, the the federal reserve continually pumping money into the, into the system. But then you've got them times of millions and millions of people and the ability for them to actually, you know, to find this stock that's that's so heavily shorted the other way for them to actually come together and do it, I think it's going to be a movie. So oh. it'll be good to yeah, <laughs> but it'll be good for you. To, yeah, I'm I'm happy for you to go go in a little bit of detail. I'm um, about sort of you know what's what was your view on you know the specifics around um, you know what yeah. happened specifically with GameStop. Well, I just want to start off by
1: saying that GameStop. Their business model is absolutely horrendous and I, I don't know if many people know this but gamestop owns ev games in australia so and gamestop's business model is basically let's have physical stores by, by the way i don't know how i'm not much of a gamer myself but i've spoken to my buddies who are and nobody really buys games in store anymore it's all done online via steam um, and a number of other major providers so the business model already is is very dated and they've got thousands Yeah, across America, Europe, Australia, all all across the globe. So it's based, and you can imagine during COVID, especially in the United States, no one really wants to be going to video game stores. Definitely, definitely not an essential service. And their year on year profit uh, revenue, I think, plummeted more than 34%. So you have a bunch of these hedge funds who see an awesome opportunity to short the company, which means um, to basically just bet against it and make heaps of money. Right, and you know, we we're talking about the Reddit army before. I don't like to call them an army. I don't want to call it. It sounds just so, so cringe. But all right, we'll, we'll call it the Red Army. They basically discovered that the stock's being shorted, and they everyone decides to go and buy it up. Now, GameStop is just one example of where this has happened. But I'm starting to think if these Reddit traders and just retail investors in general can start to catch on to any company that's been short-sold, they're going to completely manipulate the market. Imagine if you have tens of thousands of people just coming together purely to buy a company that's absolutely horrendous, like GameStop, for example, just because they know it's been shorted, just because they know big hedge funds need to cover their positions, and just because they're buying it purely because it's a casino, because they think they can make a Yeah. And uh, And yeah. in, in that sort of way, you lose money very, very quickly. It's dumb money, like you were saying the other day, Dave.
0: Yeah, look, I think the challenge also is, is that, like if you look um, at a stock uh, RNT the other day, it went up I think from $0.05 cents to $0.23. Cents. Like even that, because of what's happened, and, and that's purely just off, you know, one guy, Beaven Slater, investing in this stock. And you can nearly tie that back to not directly but indirectly that people are, you know, thinking, well, if GameStop is – wildly being invested even though this was a, like a short stop um, you know short scenario just generally in the market I think anything that has an announcement potentially just going well overs. and I think you know the side note here is that there's going to become a point in time where you know a lot of these people are uh, you know are, are going to get in su- get themselves in trouble and um, specifically for this case I'm sure there's few people I mean there's a few people that obviously made a lot of money but I'm sure there's a lot of people that you won't hear that you won't hear on Reddit that have lost a ton of money. So, um, but but I think it, yeah, you know,
1: it's interesting you should say that because this this Wall Street Bets has an entire section of the forum dedicated to something they call loss porn. So people go and show off how much <laughs> money they've lost. It's it's cr- I've never seen anything like it. I saw a guy lost <laughs> half a million dollars overnight, and he thought it was funny, and he said it was yeah. his entire life savings. So he put. A million dollars into GameStop, lost half of it overnight, and he posts it on Reddit for everybody to laugh at. If that's not a sign of the times that we're in, I don't know what is. It's it's like I think a lot of retail investors just don't care about their money anymore, or or they're just willing to risk all of it because I I, just, I don't know why. Maybe they're just total
0: anarchists. Well, I think the whole yeah, I think the whole problem is that the perception of real like what's actual real. And what's actually, you know, what it's actually worth, I think that's been totally distorted and it's all signs of a bubble, right? So I think I was talking to a few people going, you know, um, there's a few ETFs that are listed on the stock exchange that, that short the NASDAQ. And I actually went into that probably, you know, probably a couple of months ago and it's dropped from, um, this is the uh, B-Bus, which, which shorts oh, you bought, you bought the uh, b yeah, yeah, but it went from two fifty to like one fifty. Yeah. Um, but the thing is now, like part of me's thinking, oh, you know, it's gonna come like, you know, it's gonna turn at some point. But you know, a couple of days ago, you know, we were getting a bit of the jitters and then all of a sudden the last three or four sessions, you know, everything's you know, it's it's sort of like buy the dip it seems to be over the last year, if you look at the market, generally buying the dip has been the thing to do. So that's basically what I believe everyone keeps doing, but um, it can't last forever. But but going on from the Reddit situation, I think just as fascinating and 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 definitely still not over is the situation around um, basically majority of the traders are using Robin Hood. Mm. Uh, you'll be able to give me – I don't have a massive understanding of Robin Hood. I understand it's like – You don't pay anything to to, to use it. Is that
1: correct? Um, I'm not exactly sure what the brokerage fee is on there, but I I think if there is a brokerage fee, sorry, it's minuscule, and it's basically encouraged a lot of retail investors just to throw their money into the market very easily. And it also gives retail investors the option to short or go long on any stock that they want. And in Australia, it's very, very different. You can't just do that. The regulation is much tighter here. Um, And we, we can't yeah. even buy standard options. We have to buy CFDs. So it's,
0: it's, that's right. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot different. Yeah. yeah so, um, correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Around this mm-hmm. Hood situation, obviously everyone was piling into to yeah. buying it, and then obviously the massive run happened with the short correct. squeeze in the correct. stock, and then after that, you know, they all of a sudden cut the buy, the buy side mm-hmm. on the stock, and I I just think that there's so many moving parts and speculation. And I know you did a bit of digging onto this, so it'd be good to let the audience know what your sort of, yeah. your views were but around so that.
1: Yeah. What happened was a lot of these brokers, not just Robinhood, there were a few others. I know eToro, Stake did the same. And those are, I think, even self-wealth. You couldn't couldn't buy GameStop stocks. And the question is that everyone's asking is, why did that happen? Why, why can't I go and buy a stock? Why? Why is there no liquidity and what the hell is going on? And the truth is, I don't think anyone really knows why. It, 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 there's so many different reasons. But it, to be honest, at this stage, it's impossible to speculate. Uh, but I will say that the the one that I've seen the most, the one that most people, the consp- it's, I'm going to call it a conspiracy. That's what it is Is at this stage, is that the hedge funds are responsible for a lot of the revenue of Robinhood. For example, someone wrote somewhere, and this could be total rubbish. That um, Melvin Capital, for example, a hedge fund that heavily shorted GameStop stocks um, is responsible for 40% of the revenue of Robinhood. So they, they, there's a good chance that they got involved and they said, no way are we going to let anyone buy the stock. Like we've got our positions just honestly, we're going to get destroyed if more people keep buying, we keep getting squeezed. But again, this is this is speculation. No one really knows what's going on. and I, I don't think we'll know for quite some time, what's going on, until the SEC does proper investigation. But as you can imagine, people yeah. are seriously pissed off. Like they, Well, uh, well when you say, look at Robin
0: Hood, and, and, and,
1: yeah, yeah, go no, on. I was just going to say, it's, the game seems very rigged. Suddenly you have all these average, some poor retail investors starting to make big money, and you have hedge funds um, losing billions of dollars because they need to cover their short position, and you, you make a lot of people... With a lot of power, very very unhappy,
0: and so that's yeah, right. We saw- yeah. Well, the thing yeah. Got- yeah. Well, the thing, the thing is right. Sorry mm-hmm. about that. Sorry to cut in, but the thing is, is that when you look at it right, Robin Hood was about being that you know helping the little yeah. guy. Yeah. Like I mean, look it, at the it, name, it, Dave.
1: <laughs> Literally called Robin Hood.
0: Yeah. Right. That's right. So I think you're right in that there's. Uh, there's speculation and on one camp, you've got, as you've rightly said, that a lot of the brokerage houses all of a sudden didn't have the capital requirements and, and I think that's a valid argument and, and that's what the founders came on the TV and um, in, in, in many instances the actual reporters from memory were actually quite tough on them, yeah. um, you know, coming from the Robin Hood side. But then rightly so, as you said, I I have also read around these, you know, the hedge funds that that lost um, significant amount of money, being direct involvement in in, in Robert Hood's growth and, and and maybe in the back cool. end, yeah. um, and and clearly, if you're going to stop the buy side of all these stocks, you know, they went from GameStop, they then went to Nokia, BlackBerry, the and then and they started a to company. Yeah, so it look it's really fascinating, and I think the other thing I've um, I'd like to discuss, and you're right in saying that we're not really going to know, is that what's the implications moving forward in terms of, you know, even the regulators, and, and I don't know whether we can answer yeah. this, is that they really have to now step back and go, well, how are we going to actually regulate this? Like how, how is it possible to put a clamp on on this and how do you know, you know, how are you actually going to individually punish an individual person compared to Someone who's just an average investor in any given stock, and I think it's just opened up a massive can of worms. And and really, I still think everyone thinks, well, who's what's going to be the next stock they're going to target? Well, look,
1: I'll, I'll tell you something interesting. Well, when we talk about stocks that they're going to target, I've seen so much misinformation spread around. So, like I said, I've been part of this community for a very long time, like very, very back back when I had maybe less than a hundred thousand people on there. So I know it very intimately, and um, I know when they're really starting to pump and dump a stock. And I saw all these articles from the mainstream media, like really, like big, some big names, Bloomberg, for example, um, Wall Street Journal, names like that. I saw them starting to say that they were trying to squeeze silver. Silver, did you did you read about this, Dave?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I've got a few, um, I've got a few WhatsApp groups that I. Um, I'm probably the lead contributor um, because I'm definitely the most passionate one and probably led to this podcast. But, yeah, I did get a few mates message me afterwards going, you know, about this silver thing. Yeah, I did did, did hear about it.
1: The reason I'm bringing this up is because of the misinformation being spread by the mainstream media. There's not a single person on that Reddit page that I could see, and believe me, I go through that thing thoroughly, very thoroughly, that mentioned silver once. And when they did mention silver, they talk about how much they hate it and how they think silver's for boomers. Now, I personally don't have this opinion. I personally hold physical silver just because I'm so paranoid in case, you know, anyway, that's another story. But the point is the mainstream media wanted people to believe that silver was being short squeezed so that everyone would start buying it. When in reality, when we actually look at the data, a lot of these hedge funds hold enormous silver positions, enormous. So it's it's not just Reddit that's trying to manipulate the market. It's also mainstream media And I think what we're seeing here right now is this tug of war, the tug of war between, I mean, we'll call them the elite, between the large hedge funds and between the retail investor. And where this will end, I could not tell you. I think the regulators are in a lot of trouble now. It's really shaken up the market. And what Reddit's doing here is blatant market manipulation. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It simply is when you have a lot of people colluding to to boost a, a share price like this but I don't know how you put a cap on that. I don't think they've ever experienced anything of this nature, it's just enormous, enormous.
0: Yeah, but it but it really comes back to now how front and center, you know, people investing through social channels now and how how it's never gonna be the same and how COVID, and, and I've spoken about with a lot of people, you know, when you look at how quickly people have adopted to, you know, work yeah. from home, and you know all the technological changes um, with pa- in the payments and fintech space and and you just when you really look at it a lot of this stuff probably wouldn't have you know happened you know even looking at some of like you know the massive trajectory in a lot of the the US stocks and the afterpays of the world like you would never envision them to get to these never. prices um, for probably years and, and and it's just such a such a changing landscape. Well, you know,
1: I, I think the most important thing here is to really keep your wits about you. Don't don't just pursue dumb money. That's that's what we're saying. And the the best thing to do, I reckon, is to pursue like a top down approach, which means you first assess the macroeconomic environment, what's happening in the world,
0: before you start looking at the individual aspects of the company. Um, and yeah, like this, yeah. No, I agree. I I definitely think there's some strong thematics and I think, um, you know, you can really get on top, like if you're not an investor that necessarily, you know, has the time to go through individual stocks, if you pick certain thematics like, you know, for example, e-gaming or uh, telehealth, um, lithium, or you can actually target these through these ETFs. And I think um, when I have anyone that approaches me, you know, you, there, there is – people get overwhelmed to go, where do I start? And, and if you're sort of coming from that perspective, I I always feel, well, yeah, look at the top-down approach but then also look at the different thematics in, in each industry that, that's going to explode. So, um, yeah, no, it's very interesting. But I, I'd like to also um, – and thanks for your time yeah. so far. It's been awesome. Just wanted to discuss around uh, – you know, I, I listened to quite a few uh, of yeah. the IPO – analysis around you know the prospectus and I think people get overwhelmed with the prospectuses yeah. and, and all that but I found that the way that you broke them down they actually weren't as complicated but they were they're worded in a way that comes across complicated and maybe some of them are harder than others but it'd be good for you to for you to give a bit of background around you know what you found from from doing these analyses, and, and and maybe a discussion around a couple of them that 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 you've seen come through and and maybe for how sure, they're going. Sure. Yeah.
1: So we don't we don't have a lot of time left, but I'll I'll break down like my my general approach to a lot of these prospectuses before the companies list and and how I and how I pick them. So like I was saying, first yeah. of all, I do a top down approach. So I look at the general macroeconomic environment and I think, okay, say I'm looking at a tech company. What's the tech landscape right now? Like what's hot and what's hot right now is data, like data protection, security, data privacy very hot industry. So first, if I like the industry, then I'm going to look at the prospectus. If, if, if I don't like the industry to begin with, I'm probably not actually going to look at the company because it just doesn't align with my personal values and my risk tolerance. I like to be in growth industries. So say we look, we're look, we looking at data here, data privacy, and a company I recently reviewed was Nuix, um, and I really like their prospectus because once I've looked at the industry and I like that, then I have a look at the at the some of their fundamentals. I go through their financials. We see their, um, their current ratio, so their level of liquidity, how easily can they pay off their debts and whether or not we can see positive cash flow. And th- these are the two main things that I look for when investing in a company. Because like I've said in the videos, when I invest, I even when I'm looking at the prospectus, I want to think, can I hold this company for 10 years without, I, without having to really worry? And there's certain companies that you can, I reckon Nuix is one of those companies done very well since so I've reviewed it. Yeah. And that's because it had excellent financials.
0: Yeah, think, yeah on. Yeah, look, I think that's a really interesting one. I, I did see that I think that was the biggest IPO from my understanding, in the, in, especially in the last quarter or two. And I think there was specifically one, uh, I think it, it may have been Macquarie that had a large position in them, I don't know, but there was one fund manager that really went big in them. And um, I think they ipo was the... The price before they went live was it around five dollars? Something that around
1: that? that. I can't remember the exact number. I know it shot up. Yeah. So that's
0: yeah. So it's done really well. I think it's shot up. Um, it did shot up to over eleven dollars, and, and it's come back a little bit now. But it really isn't um, a real interesting one. So, um, but that's but that's really good insight around. I guess you know, IPOs, and I think. Um, Obviously, we've had a good chat about the current dynamics around social media and Reddit, but it'd be really good to, um, you know, maybe have a a session or a podcast just on um, reviewing some of these IPOs. And, um, yeah, so what's your – I mean, um, before we uh, close up for the first episode, what's your – I guess, is there any space that you're specifically um, liking this year? Is there there anything – any um, any themes that you feel that are really going to carry yep. through for twenty twenty one? For
1: me, two two major industries: one being data privacy, and the other being lithium. I think they're going to be. If I had to say two, they're my two favorite picks for this year, for sure.
0: Okay, and and is that specifically locally on 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 the ASX or more of the globe, like US US listed or not not necessarily anything in specific, more just. Those Those two two sectors, sectors, I think of
1: a couple of companies specifically like Vulcan Energy, I'm very excited for. Um, One company, because Australia is filled with plenty of natural resources, which is why I think Vulcan's a a great, um, not just Vulcan, but there are a number of other mining companies um, that are probably a great pick if you're looking to get into the lithium sector. Some Australian mining, um, one is Liontown Resources, I've reviewed that as well. And if I had to say one for data privacy, Newx is going to be hot this year. I reckon we yeah, definitely those two sectors just based on the way the market's moving, um, you know, more of a shift towards um, environment and sustainability concerns and the way that the culture is looking. I, I think lithium for sure because of the batteries in electric vehicles and, and data privacy just because of how unstable the world is currently and, and also how rapidly we're growing um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. No, definitely. um, Yeah, it's definitely going to be a really um, interesting year. And I think, you know, as the weeks go on, um, the dynamics about the markets are going to change a lot. And I think some of the things we discussed today um, are are definitely going to come up again in probably a totally different light. Um, After last year, I think people are prepared for for anything, but hopefully, you know, we, we get a vaccine rollout and um, we can, we can have some stability again. Um, so, thanks very much for joining today, Benji, and I'll definitely get you on again sure. to, to definitely do a bit yeah. of a deep thanks dive. For that, babe, babe, um, babe. Very
1: excited this- starting the new podcast and wishing you all the best. I, I think this thing this thing will hopefully take off.
0: Nah, thanks, Benji, and uh, yeah, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll definitely yeah, uh, worry, stay in mate. touch we'll soon. Thanks, later. mate. Bye. Cheers. Thanks. All right, guys, that was Benji. If you'd like to find out more about Benji and some of the work he's doing on YouTube, if you just go on his channel, that's Benji Sadiq, that's B-E-N-J-I Sadiq, S-A-D-D-I-K, and you'll get a really great rundown of um, not only um, prospectus and IPOs that listed late last year, also some fantastic... Um, information around some recent moves in the market, including an update on Vulcan Energy, and also some information around Flight Center. So that wraps up the show today, guys. Any feedback uh, would be much appreciated. And next week uh, we have Adam Dawes uh, from Shore and Partners, a recent friend of mine, um, great great bloke, and really down to earth. And and we'll really get some fantastic information around. Reporting season, so I look forward to uh, chatting to Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners next week. In the meantime, take care and speak soon.